Hello and welcome to the Weekend Booktopia. I'm Mark Harding, Content and Brand Manager for Booktopia, and this is a podcast about the books that we're reading. Joining me today are Category Manager for Kids and YA, Sarah McDooling. Hello, Sarah. Hey. Uh, and we're also joined by Category Manager for Lifestyle Books, Shinu Prasad. Hello, Shinu. Hello. Hello, hello. And we're also joined by Merchandising Coordinator, Cass Sharp. Hello, Cass. Hey. So first we're going to discuss a little bit of book news, so then we'll delve into the books that everybody is reading, and be sure to stick around until the end of the show when my guests will go head-to-head in a book quiz battle for trivia supremacy that we like to call Book Fight. So first up, news, Midnight Sun came out last week. Uh, sales uh, figures have started to roll in, so we can see what the actual impact of this uh, massive uh, Twilight book is. Uh, Sarah, uh, why don't you talk us through what's been going on? Okay, so since it was announced that Midnight Sun would be coming out, the I think it's like 12 years since uh, Stephanie Meyer first started talking about this book, which is a companion novel to Twilight, um, written from Edward's perspective. The whole book world has been speculating, you know, is the appetite still there? Do people still care? Um, you know, will it will it sell in a similar way to the Hunger Games prequel or will it outsell the Hunger Games prequel? And now we know. And the answer to the question is it will sell loads. It sold 33,000 units um, in its first week, which is massive. And I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, Shanu, that it is the fourth biggest week for her sales all up, including all of her books, through time. That is correct. In, all, in, in all, all, a single week. Yeah, in a single week. So including all of her bestseller books, um, and she's had a lot, this new one has done the fourth best week of sales, which is, it really goes to show that the Twilight fans are definitely still out there and still hungry for more. Which is, I, I mean, you know, in the in the industry, when you're trying to guess how a book will sell, you look at past books. And since the series ended, there have been two Twilight releases. One of them was a novella, um, which I've forgotten the name of. This is the Brie Tanner. You know what I'm talking about? It's something, something life of Brie Tanner. Yeah. Second Life of Brie Tanner, <laughs> yeah. and that was short. a little novella from the point of view of a, a side character in um, in the series that sort of meets a, a brutal end. And then they also had on the ten on the ten year anniversary, they uh, Stephanie Meyer released a version of Twilight where it was gender flipped, and um, the Edward character was a uh, the girl and the Bella character was the boy and that was called I think life and death or life life or death life and death I think and, I just remember um, I had a green apple on the cover that was the one with the green apple on the cover yeah and neither of those books did amazingly well right like I mean they were by no means like they sold but they just didn't sell to like the heights of the twilight books and so with this one coming, I think there's a lot of question like will it will it be like those books or will it reach the dizzying heights of the Twilight series? And it has reached the dizzying heights of the Twilight series. So as kids and my category manager, <laughs> I am very pleased. <laughs> um, has, has anybody um, had a had a go at reading it yet? I have read it. I read it in one night. 
Shanu was um, with no like. <laughs> how, that's like it's it's not a short novel, is it? It is not short no. um, at all. It is very long. It is much longer than the original novel, which is ironic considering that it is the exact same. I don't know. Ironic is probably not ironic. It's probably a lot of more said use of the word ironic. But um, let's go with interesting. <laughs> that. Um, <laughs> It is the exact same book. It is the exact same book. It starts at the same spot. It ends at the same spot. The same things happen in the book, but it's just a lot longer because the main difference I felt, because I don't also, to be perfectly honest, I, I read the books, all of them, but I read them very long time ago when they first came out and not since. What I have done since with Twilight is watch the movies. So my, my recollections of Twilight are all about what happens in the movies, which I know is not what exactly what happens in the books so um reading this book i remembered all the events because the events you know the basic events are all the same but it's all the detail that i couldn't remember and i was like oh is this new information that we're getting for the first time or was this actually in the book and as a person that hadn't read the book for however many years it's been out from um i did not know that and i had to go onto the internet and find super fans who did know all those things to answer those questions for me so um it was it was definitely an interesting experience and I think I would have enjoyed it a lot more had I not had to go to work um the next <laughs> I'm just so impressed that you did it in one night and I have not you know, a full day's work after yeah those I haven't uh, started yeah. to read it and, and I'm not totally sure yeah. I don't know I was trying to remember how much I remember and if you ask me what the plot of, of Twilight is isn't it just that she meets a boy at school and then there's a lot of conversations and then they go shopping in for a dress and then they play basketball baseball and that's the first one that's the plot yeah. <laughs> and everyone wants to eat her and she runs right. to like some ballet oh, yeah. studio yes. that Alice the has main thing being that he wants she can't tell Edward and, yeah. and she wants to make out with him the whole time yeah, yeah and the guy from the OC tries to kill her at the ballet studio yes yeah. Which is ironic. Oh. Bella, so, that is really ironic because Bella is very uncoordinated. True irony. And oh, it was also yeah. in um, Burlesque, which is Sorry. another movie we can talk about another time. <laughs> well, it I, sounds we, like it sounds like Twilight is is back, and and I believe that we're going to be doing a special Twilight themed podcast next week. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Yes. When, guys all, when when Sarah's finished reading it, and you guys all. <laughs> Literally <laughs> start recording as soon as she yeah, closed the book. This is going to be fun. Yeah, maybe I I was I was almost toying with the idea of reading it because um, my husband um, has ordered a copy because he's a big Twilight fan and I've I've only ever seen the first film so I'm very unfamiliar with it. So I wondered I whether, like this as an entry would be good, but when I found out how long it was, I was like, yeah, no, no, no. Plus, also, yeah. it, it is the same book, so it would be better if you had not read the first book. <laughs> And then I'll watch the first movie and watch the second movie, then then you could have read the first book from his perspective. It would have been fine. I wonder but, if there are people out there who are like, I'll begin here and they've not seen the movies and they've not read the book and now this is their first Twilight experience. I don't mind. Done, I like, we okay. Um what was I going to say? God, there was something you just need the memes, Mark. You just need the memeable moments. Yeah. <laughs> That's so unique. I, I, I feel. Yeah. That's but half the fun of jumping on these bandwagons. Like, however you feel about the franchise or however much you, you like or dislike it, being part of a, the cultural moment is always fun because, yeah, basically the memes. Yeah, <laughs> it's who doesn't love the memes? 
All right. Um, moving on to our next our next uh, news topic. Uh, there's a couple of new uh, big Netflix adaptations that are on the way. Um, Anola Holmes, based on the Nancy Springer book series, and a fresh uh, adaptation of Daphne du Maurier's classic uh, mystery novel, Rebecca. So um, what are we looking forward to the most? And what do you hope that uh, the creators get right in terms of these uh, adaptations? Uh, why don't we go to, oh, let's go to Sarah again first. <laughs> I'm super looking forward to both. I actually haven't read the Enola Holmes books, but they look super fun, and I'm a big Sherlock and Sherlock-adjacent storytelling fan. Um, plus, it's a great cast, and it looks fantastic. I am a big fan of Rebecca. That's, like, one of – I've read it numerous times, um, and I'm really excited to see that one. I think maybe slightly more excited. For Rebecca, oh, I'm I'm the opposite. Um, I I I don't love the story of Rebecca. Like I'm not I'm not saying it's not a classic and it's not great, mm. but like, that is when I'm like, hmm, what will I choose? You know, when in my very limited amount of time that I have to watch, um, you know, watch TV, what would I what do I like to watch? Something that's going to depress the hell out of me, or something where like Sherlock Holmes's sister gets to be like a badass and like solve all these crimes back in Victorian England. And I'm like, yep, I'm going to go with the, the happy the, the happy uh, solving crimes one. I hear you and I don't fully disagree with you, but I wouldn't have called Rebecca depressing. To me, it's like gothic. And, um, yes, and, which is you know, to me depressing. Capital <laughs> are romantic. It's like it's it so deliciously gothic. Idea. It's gothic in the way that Twilight is gothic. Yeah, but some might argue um, that Twilight has a happy ending. I don't think anyone would argue that Rebecca does, right? I really well, okay. <laughs> Sarah, spoilers for the TV. I have no. I I wouldn't change the ending. I'm not saying I would change the ending. I'm just I'm just saying <laughs> happy. <laughs> I mean, I am. What do you think of the casting? Of which one? I'm familiar with either of these things, so oh, this is all new okay. to me. But Sorry. the Sherlock Holmes' sister one sounds amazing. Oh yeah, and that was really interesting because um, the there was the um, the drama around it when oh, what happened? Who? Someone tried to sue someone. No, was anyone? Oh remember? yeah, the the Sherlock mm -hmm. Holmes escape. Yes, it was the escape, right? Through this show for suggesting something about his character that was actually positive, and I can't remember. Oh yeah, but I'm finding out now. Um, yeah. Oh, well, yes. Um, no, no. I think I think we have to say the casting of the Anola Anola Holmes. We forgot. It's the it's Millie Bobby Brown and Henry Cavill versus yeah. Lily James and Army Hammer. Oh wow. Oh, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not interested. <laughs> yeah, like I'm. I'm definitely. If if of of all of those actors, my favourites are in Anola Holmes. I think, but I still love the casting of the Rebecca. Like I love. Those choices. Who's oh. been casting Rebecca? Lily, so, Lily James. Lily James is the unnamed heroine. Yeah. And um, and Army Hammer is the dude whose name I've forgotten his name. What's his name? While you look that up, I can tell okay. you that the reason that um, the estate of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle sued Netflix was because. Um, the movie's depiction of Sherlock Holmes having emotions and respecting women violates yeah, Doyle. Right. So funny. Like, how dare you portray the character of Sherlock Holmes as respecting women? That's not canon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, That's amazing. 
that's so funny. We've got, um, which is great. The character whose name I had forgotten is Maxim De Winter. Isn't that delicious? <laughs> That's a pretty good name. Oh, also, I forgot. I forgot about the other really amazing people in Rebecca. Okay, fine. I will also be watching Rebecca, but um, yeah, yeah, Kristen Scott Thomas. Yes. Um, which complete side note, but I was watching an old episode of the Graham Norton show, and Miriam Margulies was on, and um, uh, another actor was on who was in a movie with Kristen Scott Thomas, and Miriam Margulies says, "Oh, I always thought she was such an awful person." <laughs> <laughs> on the show, it was very funny. And everyone else was like horrified and laughing, but horrified. And the other actor was like, no, no, she's such a wonderful person. She's so nice and so wonderful. And very Margulies were like, hmm, we'll see. That <laughs> is that, very funny. But yeah, it, that's, she, she will be amazing in it. And Keely Hawes from Bodyguard, which I watched recently, will be in it too. So I wonder how true they'll stay to the, to the story. Of oh. Rebecca. Yeah. I don't think they... I don't think they should change it. Do well, you think they will? It's out in October, so we don't have that long to wait. Yeah, this is true. To find out. We can oh, all right. come back. Shall we, uh, shall we move on to uh, what we've been reading? Um, let's start with you, Cass. What have you brought? Um, so yesterday I finished Radio Silence by Alice Oseman, and that was a pick by the Krusty Crew Book Club on Twitter, run by Chanel, who's a booktuber and has picked diverse interesting books. So this month's theme was YA. And it's about the head girl, Frances, at her school, who seems really boring, um, but she's secretly obsessed with this podcast. And she finds out that um, she actually meets the creator of the podcast. And it leads to like this whole mystery about what happened a few years ago. And there's a lot of stuff about like gender and identity and family. And there's a little bit in the background about um, privilege, particularly with education and racism. And yeah, it's just, I really enjoyed it. I flew through like a hundred and something pages in one night <laughs> without stopping. Um, and Alice Oseman writes books that, well, this is the first of her books that I've read. I've read Heartstopper, which was recommended by the lovely Sarah McDooling. <laughs> she just popped it on my desk and she's like, I think you'll like this. And then I forgot to write a review for it, but I loved it. Um, anyway, it's very, <laughs> exciting. I reviewed it this last month as my favourite book, a second volume. Um, anyway, so this is very much for people who also love podcasts, who also love fandom culture, and are kind of just learning more and discovering more about themselves. And I really enjoyed it because it was very dialogue heavy, which I'm not one for like huge like chunks and pages of description because I just get lost in it. Um, so I really enjoyed that. And there's also transcripts from the podcast and... Yeah, it just felt very real and very genuine. And I kind of like, I don't know, because I'm 27, I kind of wish I could go back and tell like 17 to 18 year old me that like to not stress out quite so much about like the HSE and things because Aww. there are options. And the book does talk about that and like the pressure students put themselves under and also parents and like schools kind of put kids under to do really, really well. Um, and I loved it. And the other one that I started this morning is the fandom which I borrowed from the library, um, about these kids who've gone to Comic-Con to meet the the stars of their favourite movie based on a book and they end up, like, transferred to the world of books. Yeah, so they've just, like, ended up in a coliseum and, like, one of the main characters has died and they're free because they think it's a cosplay event, but not. <laughs> I love that. It's really cool. Um, 
please you're reading that i remember i remember that book i remember really enjoying that and it's cool that you read alice oseman because um she's one of those authors where you keep hearing amazing things about the books and i see the sales of her books are you know coming through and they're really good and so like she, they like i've got so many of these these authors that you kind of helicopter around going oh, i think i'm gonna try them but i don't know which book and you know so i've just got a bunch of her books on my wish list but i've never read any of them and so this recommendation i think is just going to push me off the edge um and i'm going to read that one i think is that uh, is that her newest one no i yeah. think her newest one's a novella called loveless kind of more autobiographical I love her um, cover. I haven't read that yet. Yeah. Um, but Stop is also going to be a TV show, I think. Like someone that's brought it out last year. Oh my god. Is there any way a novel that's not gonna be a Netflix show now? I feel like no. they them all. No, because you know why? They do really well. So why not? There's also like the other show just dropped on Netflix. I think it only dropped like the other week, or maybe that's when the algorithm told me about it, but get even, which was based on oh, yeah, like that's a some books. Yeah, that's based on books. And then I think, is it Stan or Amazon? One of them getting onto the, into the action as well. And on, I think it, maybe it's Amazon, like um, Alchemical Hearts by Crystal Sutherland's coming out next week. And, okay. um, yeah, it's uh, it's great. I, I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. Yeah, no, me too. Well, thank you for your recommendations, Cass. Uh, let's move on to Shinu. What have you brought? Well, I, uh, uh, again, I just, you know, obviously, apart from um, Midnight Sun, I um, read two other books on the weekend. I read um, one which was also uh, very much like um, a fandom kind of book, but not Comic-Con this time because I have read a lot of those, um, which is quite funny because I don't really read or watch lots of comic-type things. But um, this one is called What I Like About You um, by Marissa Cantor. And it's about um, a girl who is a YA um bookstagrammer, YouTuber. She's got like um, her, her hook is that she's um, cupcakes and books. So um, she kind of started like uh, making cupcakes inspired by the YA book she was reading. Um, and then she got this massive following. Um, and her um, she started it under a, a, a pen name because her parents are um, well-known documentary, well-known documentary makers is kind of an oxymoron. But, um, <laughs> unless you're Michael Moore and um and her but her grandmother was like an editor like a really well-known children's book editor and so in the YA book world you know if it was if like she went out there with her real name then people would know who her grandmother was and then she wanted to be like you know make a name make a name for herself you know as you do um so she moved so she and her younger brother moved to um move in with their grandparent so their grandfather sorry their grandmother had just the grandmother who we're talking about has just died recently and um and she has this, like, she has all of her friends are basically online because her parents are documentary makers. They usually move all around, you know, around a lot. So she doesn't have any, you know, like uh, a lot of like in IRL friends. Um, I felt really old reading this book, by the way. Of a really real teen speak that I am not part of in anymore in my life. Um, and, <laughs> And so she has this, there's this guy, Nash, who's also an amazing artist who also has his own, um, you know, online presence and uh, they're best friends in, um, on the, in the online world. And then she moves to this town and she goes to the library the first day and looks up and he's there, but 
he doesn't know her as her. He only knows her as her online name. So basically, it's it's a um, it's a trilogy, like a love trilogy. What's it called? I've completely forgot the term. A love trilogy, love triangle. That's the one. The whole book, she doesn't tell him who she is <laughs> um, online. So she gets to know him as herself in real life, and then keeps talking to him. Um, not in real life. And as you can imagine, <laughs> this does not end well. <laughs> but it's quite funny. Um, the best part of the book, though, is how it's all about, um, you know, the YA book, bookstagrammer kind of culture and the online culture. And it's really clear, like it's really, and it's like there's a whole bunch of stuff about how, you know, YA books are for young adults and not for adults, which is ironically that we're all adults talking about YA books. Um, because one of the main one of the main plot points is that there's this YA author who is very successful and was one of the reasons that this girl became became you know quite well known because she did a book, uh, like a cup, like uh, cupcakes made of like the book cover and pushed the book really hard. And then this book is being made into a movie. And then the author comes out saying, oh, "I don't know why you keep talking about it being a YA book. This is a book for everyone." And basically, like you know, disowning her YA fans. So there's this huge backlash um, on, um, on like, Twitter and, like, you know, online and, and people trying to boycott the movie and stuff. So it's, like, it's just it's just really fun and it made me feel really old, but I feel like young people would really like this book. <laughs> this sounds so much fun and you're reminding me of a trope that I, that I really like in YA, which is that, and it's only cropped up, you know, I guess, in the last decade or so, which is that now that young people have these ways to become really famous within fandoms, it allows for these great stories where, like, people have secret identities and they're really famous online, but they don't reveal this to their friends or to their family or to the love interest or whatever, and it's great. It reminds me of stuff like Geekerella, uh, Eliza and her monsters, um, uh, Fangirl, by Rainbow yeah. Rowell, like all of these oh, people yeah. who are like, you wouldn't know it, but they're actually like got millions of followers on a, on some kind of social platform and it just gives, it's kind of like being a secret superhero mm. but more real life yeah. <laughs> and, and achievable. Know. It's achievable. But this girl was because she's like, you know, she's like doing school. She's like basically it's a full-time job, this this thing that she does. Like, you know, she's got like hundreds and hundreds of thousands of um of like followers and she's creating content all the time um you know and it's really funny because she's she pitches this idea to oh she pitches for um to be the one to do the cover reveal of this other you know YA author's next big book and it's like the biggest thing that's ever happened to her right but you can imagine on the other end like we you know what we do with and PR people and stuff that like, it's oh like, god we've got to have manage a cover reveal it's so annoying and it's <laughs> that you know of why we why we do the the, the jobs that we do is so that you know for the people they get to be able to like read the book and love the books and we love the books too but sometimes when you're working in working doing the work you forget about that part of it yeah look, the magic of a cover reel it becomes less magical when you're at the other end trying to upload a cover at midnight yeah. <laughs> no one will see it before they're supposed to see it <laughs> but, um, she, she has to go through a lot she, she has a lot with her cupcakes so and it's, it's a lovely story about family as well because um you know and growing closer to people and it's also got a really strong element of like kind of the jewish um, tradition in there as well because their family is jewish but the grandfather is quite 
is, is a bit more traditional and um, uh, does a lot of and goes to um, temple and does a lot of stuff. And she meets uh, a lot of the people, basically most of the people that she meets a, a Jewish. And it's like tiny, like little um, little town up in uh, on near the coast of somewhere in America. Um, so that was quite an interesting perspective that it wasn't um, it wasn't just your usual. You know, there was like other elements in there as well. So that was the um, that was actually really fun. It was a really quick read too. It sounds like I read it for took me yeah, hours and hours, but it was like a couple of hours, and I'd, I'd finished the whole thing. So it was great. Um, very quickly, I just mentioned this other book that I read, which I absolutely loved. But um, I loved it so much because of the it's based on a one of my favorite books. So this this new book that I read is called Love Jacaranda by Alex Flynn, who might maybe most more familiar to people from the Beastly the Beastly books. So she's written a whole bunch. Oh yeah. Of flipping fairy tales and doing sort of stuff with that. So this one is based on a book written in 1911 called um, Dear Daddy Longlegs by an author, Jean Webster, who was like very well known at the time of while she was alive and is probably a bit less well known now. Got a bit of a bump back in the 50s, I think, when Dear Daddy Longlegs was made into a movie with... Um, Fred Astaire. I forgot Fred. about that. Oh, my and God. Um, in, in that movie, it's best if you don't, it's best just to read the book Dear Daddy Longlegs because the movie is not, the reason it's called Dear Daddy Longlegs, the original book, is because the the guy that she's writing to is, has very, very long legs and is very tall, which is not what one, which is not what you would say about Paul's there. Anyway, so this book is basically an updated, um, an updated version of that book. And it was done so well. I was like, how in the world would you be able to update? Because the kind of, there's a few things about the original book where you're like, hmm, pretty sure that person's going to be another thing with a bit of a weird age difference. Pretty sure this girl is 15. Right. This guy must be like 40, which back Somewhat then questionable. wasn't as weird, but now it's like not good. But they, the way they managed to make that not, not be what happens in this book was very, very clever. So I, um, I loved it, but I don't know if everyone would love it as much if they hadn't read the original. I think it's a really great book, but I loved it a lot because of reading Dear Daddy Longlegs and having that being one of my childhood favourites. Ah, you've inspired me to read both the original and the retelling. Yeah. Because there's a sequel to Dear Daddy Longlegs called Dear Enemy. So. <sighs> Is this of the same oeuvre as like, like, or at the same time as like Pollyanna and Pollyanna Grows Up and like all of those books? Yeah, I think so. I can't remember exactly when Pollyanna. I think Pollyanna was written a bit later, maybe in the 40s. Um, or from the 20s to the 40s, but this was definitely early 1900s, um, the, the original one. And, um, yeah, it, it, great. Goes to a boarding school, has a mysterious benefactor, doesn't meet them, doesn't know who they are, and writes letters that basically turn into the form of a diary because... The, and it's an epistolary uh, novel. Yeah, yes. So highly recommend both of those books. So it's I used to have much. such trouble with epistolary novels, and the thing that cured me of it was the Illuminae series by... <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, I was like, I can't, I hate reading books when they're in letter format. And then I read a book that was not just letter format, but it was I am speak and like documents and emails and, hmm. you know, all found documents like put together in a dossier. Being yeah. in the and after that, now I'm all for it. Yeah. Ring on the apostle. This is more like a diary. So, because like I said, there's no letters you get back. So you, it's all from her perspective. Um, yeah. And she basically uses the letters as the, you know, as she, things that you would never normally put into a letter to a stranger, but you can because she doesn't know who they are. And in the retelling, she doesn't like chat online to the long oh, legs character. Sorry. The letters are the long they they form <laughs> it's just an email address is the same as sending something, you know, type putting the letter and putting it on the letterbox. It's just the email form. But yeah. 
I'm sold. I'm you ready. Could, I'm, I'm going to read them. You could do like a queer update of that where it's like some guy chatting, uh, like instead of a, a, would like a grinder chat count as a, uh, <laughs> and somebody called Daddy Longlegs. I can just imagine that happening. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, but you set yourself a real challenge because now you have to try and bend the story of a mysterious benefactor who sends you, who allows you to like go and study in an expensive school, but is also chatting to you on Grinder. <laughs> yeah, no, that's not okay. This is not like that. Um, the other great part about this book is that she gets sent to like an, a performing arts school, which is lots of fun because then you get all of the um, talk about musicals and stuff that I love anyway. So it was like a mashing up of all the things I love into one book. So I was like, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Excellent. All right, uh, Sarah, what have you what have you brought along? Uh, so I already slightly started segueing into this because the book that I want to talk about is by Amy Kaufman and Megan Spooner, and it is called The Other Side of the Sky. And this is the first book in a new duology from these guys. They have previously written the Starbound trilogy and then they had the Unearthed duology. And now this Hello. is the first book in um, in this new duology. And I adored it. Like you just, these guys can do pretty much anything. And I'll, I will like, the reasons why this book is so good are a lot to do with the world building, but also to do with the dynamic between the main characters, which I just, I'm really into. But the basic setup is that it's it's kind of, I guess it's an, a post-apocalyptic world, which is, you know, probably maybe our world, but it's kind of not important. Like it could be yeah. anything. It's a world that once had. I need, to know. I need to know if it's meant to be our world or not. <laughs> like I need to know. <laughs> I kind of think that it is. Like there's enough clues in there for us to say, look, if this isn't Earth, then it's somewhere that had an age very much like our present Earth. Yes. Because yes. there are I things think that's up with the magic, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, and so this is what I really love with like there's you you've got your post-apocalyptic stories and your like dystopian stories, and then you've got the rare breed of the post-apocalyptic story that is science fiction and fantasy, and that's what we've got here. And I love it it puts me in mind of books that really informed my childhood and turned me into a reader like the Obed Newton series by um Isabel Carmody where it's like you know recognizably our world but in a far distant future after some terrible apocalyptic event has brought us all back to like medieval times <laughs> and um and what has risen up in the ashes of of this former society is like a, a kind of magical society and that's what's happened in the world in the other side of the sky so um the scenario is a little bit if you're familiar with the show the 100 um oh, yeah. so what you glean pretty quickly when you um enter this story is that at some point in the past like all of the people who were cashed up and had money left Earth for a um like a, a space station world where they could live away from the poisoned earth. And then they left a bunch of people behind. And those people have, instead of dying out, as everyone expected, have evolved and have this new like society that has these magical elements in it. And they, they worship um, a living god, a living goddess. And um, so the main characters are a, sort of the prin a prince from the scientific, the sci-fi like floating city or a spaceship or how do you 
envision that. Space though, are they? They're just they're just they're above kind the of in the air, yeah. But they're yeah. not. I imagine them to be in space because it's not like the people oh, no, down on the really? earth can look up and see the city. Like, they don't see it. it no, but he be... explains that by saying there's really thick cloud cover so we can't see through the clouds. Okay, so maybe they're still in the atmosphere. Yeah, I think they're still in the atmosphere because there's no mention about anything and they're using gliders. They're using gliders, Sarah. Yeah, but I thought that there might have just been some, like, protective... Um, force field around the city in space. No, because if there was a force field, they wouldn't be able to just flick the dome. Anyway, you'll have to explain what happens. Yeah. Look, it's a floating city. We're gonna, it's a floating city with strong science sci-fi elements. So um, it's powered by that amazing device that they have in a lot of science fiction, which does whatever <laughs> the plot needs it to do. <laughs> oh, well, on that subject, no, because um, no, it is. With these guys, they always they always make an effort to make it believable. So there is internal logic with it's to do with magnets and like they, the world building is found here. I may not have I, I can't envision whether the city in my mind was floating above the clouds or in space. But it's definitely not in space. I'm hundred percent telling you it's not in space. We can check with the we can check with the authors when you do the podcast, but I'm hundred percent sure it's not in space. Just be like, where's the city that all this happened? It's in the air. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's, above, say, um, it's above the time. world. And just I was so you say. don't spend much time there. <laughs> we um, um pretty pretty quickly, uh the prince of that of the floating city has an accident which crushes him down to earth. And he meets the other main character who is the living goddess of this society and has been sort of picked out by prophecy at the age of five to, um, to as, the, as the next aspect of this goddess that they've all worshipped. And so, you know, they meet. And then what proceeds is this fantastic story that it's like one part forbidden romance because her whole thing being a goddess is that she cannot be touched ever. She can't touch another human being. And so you can um, imagine the kind of like crazy forbidden romance you get out of that. We were, um, Shani and I talking about how it reminded us of the show Pushing Daisies, which has oh, that yeah. concept where if they touched, then that's it. It's all over. One of them dies. And so in this, in this world, if they touch, she loses her aspect of the goddess and it's like terrible. So there's that going on. It's, beautiful and delicious and there's so many cute wonderful YA romance moments with that like just it's uh, I can't get enough it's beautiful and then on the other side of things is this intense story where it's very prophecy driven and the thing that I love about in fantasy and stuff when there's a prophecy is that it just allows you for this whole extra layer of um storytelling where you're like setting an expectation of an outcome for the reader but then you're playing a double game where it's like we all know the prophecy says this and it's inescapable and we're, we've got to get there and this is what it is but you never quite no one ever quite knows which parts of the prophecy are real or which will be interpreted differently and there's always this twist where it's like the thing the one thing we thought was like fated and inescapable turns out to be misinterpreted and so I kind of love that I love I love when a prophecy kind of allows you to allows the 
author to pull like a switcheroo on the reader. And you're like, oh man, I did, you know, you know what I'm talking about. I did it in a really good way. As soon as one thing happened in the book, which I can't talk about, spoil it, but as soon as that happened, you're like, oh, now I know what's going to, oh, now it's making sense. Yeah. It's like, oh, like, they're not the one. The other one's the one. And it's all not what I thought. Yeah. It's, it's very much like that. Yeah. And, um, but, you know, just a warning for anyone who's about to pick it up in um, September 8th when it comes out. <laughs> Mm. Uh, it is the first book of a duology mm. and so you can expect to be left at a, at a quite painful um, mm. cliffhanger while we await the next book. So, yep. you know, there's that. But, it's but, you know, that's part I, of what you go in for with series. You always know they're going to leave you dangling. Yeah, that's why I don't normally read them until they're both out. But I made the same mistake with Unearthed as I did with this one. I couldn't wait. It sounded so good that I couldn't wait. And I don't regret having read this book, but I just I'm really annoyed now that I'm going to have to wait probably another year for the for the next one because it's it would so be great. it would be great delayed gratification. Like just to, for a moment go right against my whole purpose in in, uh, in my job, which is to say buy the book now. But you can always buy it now and then wait and read it when the next one comes out and really like do that delayed gratification. Yeah, maybe maybe book, maybe book two will uh, finally reveal whether they're in the sky or in space. They're definitely in the sky. I'm trying to find no, look. They are. They are in the sky. But but the way I imagined it, they're in the sky. But the way I imagined it was kind of that there was always the night sky above them. Like even. With the, for some reason, even though I'm sure it was daytime sometimes in that. Um, yeah, <laughs> when he talks, oh, especially when he talks that bit when he talks about the birds that fly in the air about like, don't you have because they don't eat animals up there, they don't have animals, but they do have birds, so that would be pretty hard in space, even. but like high up in the sky, like not, not like high up so that people below can't see them. It's not like yeah. they're just hanging out <laughs> waving to the people down, no, down no. No. <laughs> but then, like, birds don't fly that high unless they're special magnet birds. But they've got flyers, so they would they're be able birds. to leave the city and fly around, and I guess. No, but birds, actual birds, birds in the world. That's why but, but, um, the clouds, I think whatever the ca 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 event is that made them go up to the clouds, they obviously, above the clouds, they obviously, um, you know, something made, made with, the clouds are extra thick. They're just really thick clouds. That's what they're well, And I think part of the reason that my brain kind of imagined them like way, way, way up, like out about beyond our atmosphere is that they're, they they believe that the earth is poisonous. So like if it's poisonous down there, why wouldn't it be poisonous? Well, look, I, I would say it really sounds like the questions for your interview uh, with Amy write themselves. <laughs> Um, you know what? Also, is if you look at the cover, the cover, the the cover is yeah probably why I thought that the two of them were sitting above the like or like the main character was sitting in the clouds, but then I realised looking closer that they're just sitting on a high. They're sitting on a like rock. Like, right? Yeah, on a rock. <laughs> yeah. So who you knows? But is it floating or not? Everyone can judge for themselves when they get the book and read it. And then I love, actually, we should do a poll so people can, like, reply whether they think it's actually. You know how, you know how I imagined this in my mind, the city? I just realised where my point of reference was from. It's from a movie. What so, movie? like, when I was it's reading it, when I was imagining the city that they live in, in the sky, it was 100% the city that Lando Calrissian is 
from Cloud in City. Star Wars. Cloud That's City. how I saw it in my head. <laughs> right, okay. Well, there you go. Yeah, it does remind me a bit of Aaliyah Battle Angel, which, like, I might be the only person who's seen. But basically, like, I don't know, there's this whole story about how, like, the rich people who live well lives in, like, some city in the sky and everyone else just, like, lives in a world made of, like, the trash that they throw out or something. That's like this, except the trash is they live in the in the world, which is a kind of a swampy, mysterious place full of, like, spell fire and, and un, unexplained magic. And um, and the place that they live in, down on the ground, it, it it's a practical place with magic. Well, yeah, we, magic is a thing that exists in the world, though. Like they all believe in it. We could pick yeah. this. We could yeah. pick this world apart for an entire podcast, but we're, we're <laughs> rapidly running out of time. <laughs> um, um, I think we're just trying to avoid doing the quiz, Mark. I think we're just. Oh, doing I really the don't want to do the quiz. Okay. You're hurting his feelings. I've tailored it for you guys. It's really like, right. okay. All right, so it's time for book fight. Uh, what 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 are you what words are you going to buzz in with, Sarah? What's your buzz in word? Um, I don't uh, know. Lando Calrissian. Lando Calrissian. Very good. Cass, what's your buzz in word? Um, Paganini, because I keep watching two set violin videos and they keep doing videos about Paganini covers. Uh, Shanu, what do you think about that? Pressure is on, Shanu. And could I just suggest using a one syllable word so that you can. <laughs> I was going to say it's definitely not in space. But, um... <laughs> That's a phrase, Shanu. It's not a word. I'm going to shorten mine to Lando to make it easier for myself. Um, I'll just say clouds. Okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. Question one. So buzz in to 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 um to answer. All right. Question one. Name every book in Sarah J. Mass's uh, A Court of Thorns and Roses series so far, including the new one due out next year. Oh Lord. <laughs> you guys should. Know I don't that? know if that's possible. I don't know if any of us can do that. I definitely can't. I haven't read any of them. I'm going to, okay, Lando, and I'm going to try. Go for it. Okay. Can you repeat the question? Name every book in A Court of Thorns and Roses so far. Okay. So number one is A Court of Thorns and Roses. Very good. Um, I believe number two is A Court of Mist and Fury. Very good. And now I'm in trouble. <laughs> There's been more than two. What did I just say? Wings and Fury? Um, no, and Fury. Something you, said, with you, said, you said Mist and Fury, but Wings is uh, part of the next one. Wings and Ruin. A Court of Wings and Ruin. Yep. Yeah. And, then and then the title for the next one's been announced as well. Oh, no, I always get this wrong. So my brain wants to say that it's A Court of Silver and Flames. Yeah, I'll give you that. It's the Court of Silver Flames. I'll give you that. <laughs> and you said you wouldn't know. That's four points for you. Well done. I had yeah. no idea that you said them. I went, oh, yeah, I have heard that of that title before. But so what, what is the new one? It's Silver and Flames or Silver, silver Flames? Flames? A Court of Silver okay. Flames. Oh, so they've changed their <sighs> structure. Well, that's not helpful for anyone, is it? All right. I feel amazed and proud of myself and also a little bit ashamed. But also um, <laughs> that is an adult Series marked. That is not why. I, <laughs> I apologize. 
<laughs> Only according to booksellers has that distinguishment been made. Distinguishment <laughs> a word? Yeah, like the world would call it YA, but it has recently been recategorized as adult fiction, I think because it's a bit racy for, um, um, for the young folks. Well, tell it to Google. This one, this one, somebody is bound to get this one very quickly. Which novel opens with the line, last night I dreamt I went to Mandalay again? Oh, Leno. Go for it. Rebecca. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, next question. This, this This is a tough one, I reckon. Memories burn like a forest fire. Heavy rain turns any funeral pyre to mud. Is this a quote from Jane Eyre or a line from a Billie Eilish song? Oh, the clowns. I really <laughs> hope it's a Billie Eilish song. I don't even care if it is or it isn't, but. <laughs> yeah, it's a Billie Eilish song. <laughs> <laughs> it's one called When I Was Older. <laughs> uh, I, I won't seek it out. I'll just take your word that it's. That's it exists. Yeah. <laughs> I've read Jane Eyre enough times. It did not ring a bell. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What next question? What is the title of the new Nevermore book due at the end of September? Ah, uh, Lando. Hollow Pox. Hollow Pox, but there's a there's a second part of the title. Oh damn it! There's something of Morrigan Crow, but I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, I'll give you well, that. It's, it's the short second light with Morrigan Crow. We know that. <laughs> the, hunt the short second light. Which one? Hollow Pox, the hunt. Hunt for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Ah, yes, yes. Okay. What is the title the, of the novel that Love, Simon is based upon? And for a bonus point, what is the name of the spin-off streaming series set in the Simonverse? Um, Cloud. I heard Cloud first. Yeah, so Love, Victor is the spin-off series. Yep. But what was the, I didn't even understand the question. I thought, I thought Love, I, Simon was the name of the book. No, no it's no. not. Oh, okay. well, I don't know. I've obviously only ever seen it in the film tie-in version where I swear it's got the guy, it's got the film cover on the front saying Love, Simon. So I'll leave that for someone else, but I knew it was Love, Victor. All right. Who wants to, who wants to jump in with the actual title? Uh, Lando. Yep. It is Simon versus the Homo sapiens yeah. agenda. Very um, that's not a separate book. I just assumed that was a sequel to <laughs> Okay. Not the same book. It was just a recovered book. I've got a, I've got another book quote for you. Which which Twilight Saga book does the following quote come from? Oh God! I want you, and I want you forever. One lifetime is simply not enough for me. Which one? Pegasus. I feel like it was in Breaking Dawn when they get married. It could be any. Cass, you got it right. Hey. Good. All right, and the last question. So before we go into the last question. Just a, a points check. So Shanu is on two, Cass is on one, and Sarah is on seven. So Sarah, this, this is really, but this this one, uh, we'll we'll see. Is this worth one hundred points? This one is worth hundred points, like the snitch. Worth an arbitrary amount of points. I mean, I could we could make an interesting. I could make it worth like I could make I'll make it worth um I'll make it worth six points so that anyone can win or tie. Anyway, that's the point of this game. I make it up as I go along. Which Hunger Games did Hamish win? The 50th, the 55th, the 45th, or the 48th? Oh, F. 
Uh, <laughs> yeah. This is a guess. Okay. I'm going to say the 45th. <laughs> Anybody else want to have a go? All the other ones? Uh, the 50th, the 55th, or the 48th? Shanu's waiting till I go so that she knows. <laughs> <laughs> um, could I suggest the 50th? You can suggest that, and you're absolutely correct. Oh my goodness, look at that. Sweeping my <laughs> six point question, which means that now you're tied with oh Sarah. Oh, amazing. Wait, oh, I have to go to the tie break question, which oh, last, last time I did this, I, I did it this way, and um, <laughs> it was good. It worked. Um, hang on. It's good. He convinces everyone. It's, it's good. This it, is a good question. All right, here we go. Uh, what is the number one best-selling book on the Booktopia homepage right now? Um, <laughs> the Happiest Man on Earth? Yes, Cass. The Happiest Man on Earth by Eddie. It helps that I do the best of this myself. <laughs> I'm very glad to know that you actually um, do pay attention. I think Cass had a bit of an edge on that, considering a she uploads the content. <laughs> I mean, you actually manage the Sarah J. Mass category. And <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's not a kid's book, so I know that. It's not a kid's book. <laughs> Look, I, tailored, a kid's book, I specifically tailored that to your interest, Sarah and Shanu. And it's not my fault if uh, if Kat is just like you know, to win. <laughs> uh, firstly, Cass won on a question that was nothing to do with the young adult. And secondly, um, just because... The young adult is a wide and varied genre. It, uh, it's not a genre. It is a wide and varied, a, like, I don't know what you call it, but there's a lot of stuff in it. And just because you like one thing from YA doesn't mean you like all things from YA. Hmm. I have not a competitive bone in my body when it comes to quizzes, so I'm more than happy to concede my actual victory. Okay. <laughs> Your actual victory. <laughs> It sounds very genuine, Sarah. I always believe that. We all know the truth. We've <laughs> been watching television. Yeah. Right, well, thank you guys so much for um, competing in um, Book Fight, and thank you for bringing your recommendations and all your insights to, to our discussions today. Um, and thank you to everybody who listened. Uh, Weekend Booktopian is produced by Nick Wasiliev, and you can find links to the books we've discussed today in the episode description, or you can find them at booktopia.com.au. You can listen to all of our shows for free on SoundCloud and iTunes, including our recent interviews with Lily Wilkinson and Jenna Kiam. We'll be back next week with another episode of The Weekend Booktopian. Until then, thanks for listening and never stop reading. Thank you for listening to the Booktopia podcast channel. Don't forget... You can subscribe to us on SoundCloud and iTunes for free and get access to hundreds of author discussions, book analysis pieces and more. Or if your eyes need a workout, head to Booktopia TV on YouTube. Don't forget, for all books featured in this podcast and for access to a whole bunch of other fun content on our blog, head to Booktopia, Australia's local bookstore at booktopia.com.au.